Good morning. Happy Easter. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Uh, what an awesome time of worship this morning. It is so good to see each and every one of you in worship today. And I hope that you have a very happy and blessed Easter. Take your Bibles to the book of uh, John chapter 11. John chapter 11, a little bit different text this morning. I'm going to be hitting uh, Easter from a little bit different perspective and angle today. Uh, John chapter 11. Have you ever known people that had the, they were, they had the best comebacks? Uh, they, maybe they, someone is uh, being sarcastic and they just have that witty sense of humor. They can just come back at anything. They have, maybe they, uh, the, they uh, are always uh, have those one-liners that kind of ring in your mind and you think about the person as being a hilarious person. There are 10 best comebacks that was listed uh, on a survey. And Winston Churchill had uh, three of those uh, top 10 comebacks uh, in his repertoire. One time, an American socialite, Nancy Astor, was invited to a party, a dinner party held by Winston Churchill. And uh, she became so annoyed with Churchill during the party, uh, she said, Winston, if you were my husband, I'd put poison in your coffee. Unaffected by her uh, sudden outburst, uh, Churchill quickly exclaimed or replied, yes, and if I was Nancy, if I were your wife, I'd drink it. <clears throat> you see... What happens is sometimes people are always good at coming back. That's not the comeback I'm trying to talk about this morning. But this morning we're talking about a comeback after a setback. If you think about the Easter story, many of the people, including the disciples of Jesus, uh, looked at their, their leader, the one that they had been following for, for several years now, had been preaching, performing miracles, raising people from the dead, all of these things that had taken place up to this point. All of a sudden, now he dies on a cross. The one that they had put their faith in, the one they had been listening to and watching perform all of these miracles, and, and suddenly their faith was so rattled. Everything that they had uh, put their hope in now was set back as they're wondering, what's going to happen next? Is it really true that he's going to rise again from the grave? And and everybody loves a good comeback story. That's why the Rocky movies were so popular years ago. Uh, Bethany Hamilton was a 13-year-old uh, girl in Hawaii. And uh, was out there surfing at 13 years of age. Gets bitten by a shark and, and rips one of her arms off. And she went through multiple surgeries. Maybe you've seen the movie uh, about her life. And then uh, a few months later, she's back on a surfboard surfing with one arm. Now, I can't surf with two arms. I have two kids that like to surf, and, and I'll get out there occasionally with them on a surfboard. And, and Dad is doing good if I can get up on my knees. Standing up's never going to happen, so I'm not going to waste my time on that. But I've watched them out there. They've taken surfing lessons, and they'll get up there on that board. And the, I think the smaller you are, it, it just looks like, just so simple, just a pop up on top of that surfboard, but she bounces back. She comes back from that setback and defies all odds. Uh, there are many sports comebacks, that, uh, stories of, of teams that were basically people, fans were leaving the stands and in droves, and all of a sudden there's a great comeback, and they come back and win the championship. Everybody loves a good comeback. The Huffington Post said comebacks are possible. In fact, uh, they happen all the time. He says, yet after you have a setback, a comeback may seem impossible. He said, the challenge is how you overcome your setback. How do you take a setback and forge forward a comeback? The question frames our topic today. How do you take a setback and make a comeback? For many people, 2020 
was nothing but a series of setbacks. Maybe that you had in your mind, oh, so much hoopla and all of the, the, the uh, excitement about entering the year 2020. And uh, all of these churches had like this uh, vision 2020 uh, themes about what it was going to be like. And uh, we did a vision night. We didn't have that as our theme. But we had, we had a vision night in, in February of 2020. We were outlining all of these things that we were looking to take place in the year of 2020. And, and little did we know what a setback we would face, not only as a, as a country, not only as, as a world, but the entire world will come to a screeching halt. Maybe 2020 in your life was a, a year of setbacks. Maybe you thought you were going to change jobs, or maybe you're going to start your own company, and, and, and you're going to do all, you fill in the blank, and, and you faced a setback. Maybe you thought you were going to buy a house, and, and you're still in your apartment now. Maybe you had some health setbacks, and it dealt you a blow, and you're suddenly wondering, where in the world, how am I going to bounce back from this struggle in my life? The main today, did today that we're looking at is, because Christ came back from the dead, he can turn your setback into a comeback. He can take all of the ruins of your life and make something absolutely beautiful out of the story of your life. This morning we're going to look at the story in John chapter 11 about a man named Lazarus. And if you're wondering where does the resurrection come into this, buckle up and hang on because you're going to be excited to see how it plays out. In fact, all throughout the Gospels, we see the story of Jesus. We see the story of the resurrection as it unfolds in the lives of his followers. Jesus was close to Mary and Martha and Lazarus. Mary and Martha were worried, so they sent word to Jesus. Jesus, if you would just come, our, our brother Lazarus is sick. He's sick unto death, and they're worried about, is he going to even survive? And Mary and Martha are worried, so they, they send word to, to Jesus. And the response of Jesus is pretty jarring here. In the beginning of this passage in verses 4, it says, When Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. I love how Jesus is never caught off guard. He's never caught by surprise. A setback doesn't jar his plan for the universe and for the ages. He has a, a perfect plan for each of us and, it, and includes us in this story. There are five stages of Martha's spiritual journey that we're going to look through in this story. And you begin to see the story of the resurrection unfold as Jesus proves that he is the resurrection and the life. And, and I invite you to hang on because you're going to see the beautiful picture of the resurrection. I invite you to read the Word of God. It will be on the screen this morning. In John chapter 11, beginning in verse 17, it says, When Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And, and many of the Jews had come to Mary and Martha to console them concerning their brother. So then Martha heard that Jesus was coming. She went and met him, but Mary remained seated in the house. Martha came to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know he'll rise again in the resurrection of the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, Though he die, 
Yet shall he live, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he frames a question. He says, do you believe this? Think about it for just a moment. He says, do you actually believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. I ask you this morning, do you believe in Jesus? Heavenly Father, may you, or Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts this morning. Lord, the building is, is filled this morning on Easter Sunday. There are people watching online, people that will, will catch this later in the day or later in the week that it will be watching online. God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to their hearts this morning. and Lord, I pray that they would wrestle with the very question, do you believe this? Do you believe in Jesus? Because it's, it's, it's one thing to have a, a knowledge of God, but it's another thing to place our faith and trust in Jesus for salvation. God, I pray that this morning you would draw people to yourself and your Holy Spirit would convict them and draw them to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for those of us that are followers of Jesus, our faith would be strengthened this morning. Lord, looking at the story of the resurrection of Lazarus and how it points us to the resurrection of Jesus, God, it gives us hope that our loved ones that have gone before, Lord, those that knew Christ as their Savior, we know we have, because of the resurrection, we'll see them again one day in heaven. Lord, I pray that you would encourage us. May we be faithful to share the story of Jesus with those who do not know him. And God, may you be glorified in our midst. We'll give you the praise and honor and glory for what you'll accomplish here this morning. In your name we pray. All of God's people said, amen. This morning, I want to encourage you to state your setback. What is it that's holding you back in your relationship, in your spiritual journey? What, are the, what is it that's the setback in your life? Maybe it's a, it's a sin. Maybe it's a, a past failure. Maybe it's a, a past failure in business or, or in school or, or in a relationship. Whatever it may be, what is it? State that setback in your relationship with God. When Martha heard that her brother Lazarus had died, she was gripped with grief. In fact, verse 19 says that friends and family had come to console her. And they were grieving with her. Back in those days, in biblical times, they would actually hire professional wailers. And uh, they would be crying. And, and, and it just, I heard uh, someone, a friend of mine said one time, he says, Whenever I die, I want there to be weeping and wailing. And he said, I, I want it to be this big fiasco when I come. People are really, really sad that I'm gone. But folks, you know, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, in fact, I, was at, I did a funeral on Friday uh, of a lady in our church that passed away. And I'm telling you, there's something about knowing Jesus and her funeral service. Yes, there was a few tears just because we're sad it's going to be some time before we see her again. But folks, the reality is that if you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and you're ready to meet him, folks, we have the joy of heaven. We have the hope of heaven because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we can state our setback. The scene here was one of weeping and, and wailing as all the people were mourning the death of Lazarus. What setback has created blowback in your own life? What is it that's holding you back in your relationship with God? Has some relationship fallen apart and left you feeling abandoned or lonely? Are you struggling with some sort of sin or addiction in your life that's, that you can't seem to break? 
or you're overwhelmed at work, or you're looking for any job, or trying to find a different type of work. Maybe you're stressed about school and online schooling, and maybe you're feeling empty, or maybe you're feeling lost this morning. The first step is to state your step back. It's good to, to, to own the fact that we are feeling far from God. God, I, I need you. I'm desperate for you. I failed you. I've fallen short of your glory. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. When we acknowledge our setbacks, our failures, where we have fallen short, folks, it gives us a pathway to experiencing the presence of God and experiencing the resurrection in our own life. Because Christ came back from the dead, he can turn your setback this morning into a comeback. We see, oh, secondly, we have to get close to Christ. Look at verse 20 of our text. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. Folks, what happens is when we move towards a relationship with Jesus, folks, he meets us just as we are. We don't have to get our lives all cleaned up. We don't have to get everything in order in our lives. What happens is as we choose to come to faith in Jesus Christ, we get close to Christ, folks. It's about a decision in our lives. Martha could have stayed in the house like her sister Mary. She could have run the other way. But Martha heard that Jesus was coming. And she went to, to greet him. She went to, to find him. And even before Jesus arrived inside the city limits, Martha was moving toward him. She wasn't exactly sure what he could do. He had already been dead for four days. You can imagine the, all hope seemed gone as, as Martha was feeling like there's no way possible that Jesus could do anything about this. But you know what the Word of God tells us in Jeremiah 29? It says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. You see, this morning, no matter what setback you may have had in the last year or over the course of your life, we're not too far from the reach of our Savior who came down to earth. And, and folks, he took our place on the cross of Calvary. Now, when you move toward Christ, it doesn't mean that you have all your answers figured out. Does it mean that everything becomes crystal clear? It just means I'm saying, Lord, I don't know all the answers. The thief on the cross, he couldn't have gone to Scripture and said, well, let me tell you what it says over in the book of Isaiah. It, it talks about this very moment. I guarantee you that was probably the furthest thing from his mind. But he understood that Jesus was the Son of God. He understood that Jesus was the Messiah. And folks, if you want to come back this morning, start by stating your, second, your, your setback. Get close to Christ. Tell him what hurts you. Look at verse 21 of our, of our passage. It says, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother wouldn't have died. There's a a song that says, Jesus on the main line, tell him what you want. He knows exactly what you're facing this morning. Why not tell him your hurts? Lord, I feel abandoned. Lord, I feel like I'm, I'm a failure. Lord, I feel like you've forgotten me. I feel like I'm, I'm praying and my, my prayers aren't going past the ceiling. You know what? It's not 
if you do it in the right spirit and the right heart, God knows the thoughts and intents of our hearts this morning. He knows exactly where we're at. So as we cry out to him, tell him the things that are, are bothering us. Uh, she said, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. And, and folks, I would imagine across a crowd this size this morning, there's a lot of us here that have had moments in our life and just said, if God would have just stepped in, we wouldn't be in this mess. If, if God would have just said no on September 11th of 2001, where our nation would have faced the, the great tragedy that we saw in our, in our country. If God had just stepped in and, in December of, of 2019, before this virus began to spread around the world, if God had just fill in the blank. You see, what happens is, is we tell them about our hurts. It's us coming clean with God and saying, God, I'm telling you the, the struggles of my life. I'm telling you the things I can't fix. I'm telling you, I need your strength. I need your help. The questions are, are normal. Sometimes they are like crushing waves uh, uh, of struggles in our lives, and it creates depression, it creates anxiety, it creates all of these, these struggles in our life. And Martha says, Lord, if you had only been here, my brother would not have died. And folks, it helps to know that Jesus can relate to the pain that we're struggling with. In fact, in verse 33, it says, when Jesus saw her weeping, the Jews who had come with her also weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit. The word of God says he was greatly troubled. And two verses later in verse 35, John eleven thirty-five is the shortest verse in scripture. It says, Jesus wept. You see what happens is when we have hurts in our lives, Jesus cares. He understands the, the feelings of our, our infirmities, of our weaknesses, of our failures, of our hurts. He understands those things and he, and he cares about the needs of our lives. Friend, you're not alone in the agony. You're not alone in the pain. Jesus loves you more than you could ever imagine this morning. He cares about the, the, the very inner struggles of your life. He knows the thoughts that go through your, your mind. And verse 36, after Jesus had wept openly... People remarked, see how he loved them? See how he loved them? He, he, he had such a love for, for people. And Hebrews 11, four, Hebrews 4.15 says, it tells us that Jesus sympathizes with our weaknesses. He understands our sorrows. And folks, because Christ came back from the dead, he can turn your setback into a comeback. He can turn your story into a tapestry of God's glory and his grace in our lives so that the world doesn't see that broken person who's ruined and destroyed, but they see someone who's a, a testimony of the grace of God, of something that only God can do. I love the stories all across this church of people whose lives were wrecked with sin and, and, and failures and frustrations and folks, because of the miraculous grace of the resurrection, Jesus Christ has forgiven them and given them a, a new purpose, a new direction, given us hope because of the resurrection of Jesus. Friend, you're not alone this morning. If, if you have a, a struggle in your life, tell him your hurts. Tell him the struggles of your life because he wants to turn your setback until come back. Then look at verse 24 of our text. 
I love this passage because it says, Martha said, I know, uh, Jesus said, your brother was going to rise again. Martha said to him, I know he's going to rise again in the resurrection on the last day. It's not until Martha states her setback that now she's able to learn who Jesus really is. He's not just a, a prophet. He's just not a, just a teacher. He's the son of God. He's going to radically transform her lives. And folks, don't be afraid to get real with God because he can handle your honesty. He can handle the struggles of your life. He says, Jesus replied, your brother's going to rise again. She gives the textbook Sunday school answer. Well, of course, Jesus. I know that. I sat back there and watched all the flannel graph stories as a kid in Sunday school when they put Jesus up there on the cross and then they had the tomb and I went, my teacher let me go and put the, the stone in front of the, the big hole there in the, in the grave and I remember on, on Easter Sunday we took that off and Jesus comes out of the grave. I know he's going to rise again because of the resurrection. But first, Jesus is getting ready to teach her who he really is. I know he's going to rise again. She understands it in her head, but folks, it had never affected her heart. Does that describe you this morning? Many people have a knowledge of who God is, but they don't know his son, Jesus Christ, who died, was buried, and rose again from the grave. You see, what happens is oftentimes we have a, a knowledge of God, but it never filters down into transforming our heart on the inside. You know about him. You know that he loves you, that God is love. But folks, once we see who Jesus is, it's not difficult then to believe in what he can do for me. You see, it's one thing to believe that Jesus died on the cross, but it's another thing to believe that he died on the cross for my sin. It's a game changer, folks. It takes our setback and allows us to have a comeback in our relationship with God, folks. It opens up, Erwin Lutcher says this, we do not need a Savior who can just help us. We need a Savior who can resurrect us. We do not just need a, a Savior who helps us when life gets tough. We need a Savior who can help us when life ends. Can I get a witness to that this morning? We need a Savior who can resurrect us in that day when we stand before Jesus Christ one day. I love how Jesus interjects himself into Mary's theology here in this very moment. In verse 25 and 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, what does that next phrase say? Yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. But he doesn't stop there. He says, do you believe this? See, Jesus is moving her from an abstract belief about something in the far distant future, often the, you know, maybe hundreds or thousands of years down the road. Oh, eventually he's going to rise again. To the very moment Jesus says in the present tense, he says, I am the resurrection. I am the life. He didn't say, I will be. He didn't say, I was. 
He is right now the resurrection and the life. The resurrection is not just an event. Folks, it's a person. It's about Jesus. There is no hope for a comeback apart from a personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus didn't merely say that he was the resurrection. He claimed he is the resurrection. And the fact that he would rise from the grave would guarantees others he didn't just give life. He is life. John 1, 4 says, in him was life. In John 14, Jesus said in verse 19, because I live, you also will live. So because Christ came back from the dead, he can turn your setback into a comeback. But see, we see lastly here, the story of Martha. He says, believe, boldly believe and receive Jesus. Look at that last verse in our, in our text, verse 27. She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God who is coming into the world. Jesus' question to Martha is the same question that he's asking me and you right now. He's saying, he says, do you believe this? In fact, the word believe has much more than just an intellectual element to it in the New Testament. In the New Testament, faith and trust and belief all come from the same general root meaning to lean wholly upon. It's when you lay down on a bed, you go and you lay down at night, you put your all of your weight on that bed. When you came in this morning and you sat down in that seat, you had the faith, the confidence that this chair is going to hold me as I sit here for the next hour. You have the confidence that it's going to hold you up. That's the same thing I believe wholly upon Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. You see, faith begins with a knowledge. Faith, it's where the intellect is involved. And folks, then it moves to our emotions. It moves where convictions are developed. And folks, it moves to that moment in life. Saving faith must then move to the will where a commitment is made to choose to follow Jesus. You see, true saving faith involves appropriating what Christ did when he died on the cross. And then three days later, on Easter, when we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ, I believe that Jesus loves me so much that he died, he took my place, and he's all, and he came back from the grave, folks, and he's offering me a new relationship with God the Father. You see, Pastor, what's the application? How do we land this plane on, on Easter Sunday? You see, after declaring that he's the resurrection and the life, Jesus drives this doctrine into Martha's mind and into her heart, just like he does into ours this morning. He starts by saying, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Whoever refers to everyone, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, Romans 10, 13 says, shall be saved. So he's saying, it's for the sins of the entire world. But then he narrows it down a little bit further and he says, and everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. But then he focuses in on one person and he looked at Martha and he says, do you believe? Do you believe? Because you see, 
it's not enough this morning that you grew up in church as a kid, that you were confirmed or you were baptized or, or you said a prayer or you have your name written on some church roll or you are tithing or none of those things, folks, it will not gain you entrance into the place called heaven. The Bible says that it's appointed a man once to die and after that, the judgment. But Jesus took our place. This morning he's saying, do you believe in Jesus? Do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God? Verse 27, we see Martha said, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son. what Jesus is looking for you this morning he's waiting for you to say yes Lord I believe in you I believe that you died for me I believe that you died for my sin and you see when when Martha said yes to Jesus she wasn't nodding her head and just passively saying some positive thoughts about him she was saying yes to Jesus she was saying uh, she's ready to receive Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior. You see, because Christ came back from the dead, he can turn your setbacks. He can turn your, your trials, your sin, your failures into a comeback. The word believe is found four, time, four more times in this very chapter. Ron Hutchcraft puts it like this. He says, Jesus walked out of the grave so he could walk into your life. We just sang that he walked right out of that grave. He did so so that he could enter your life and have a personal relationship with you. At what stage are you stuck in your spiritual journey? You see, because Jesus is a resurrection and life, you can have a fresh start right now. He can take your setbacks and your sin and your failures and he could turn it into something by his power, by the power of the resurrection that into the life that's been meant to be lived here on this earth. In fact, in verse 43, Jesus called out in a loud voice to Lazarus, who had been dead and uh, for four days. He says, Lazarus, come out, come forth from the grave. And Jesus called him by name, and this morning, he's calling your name. He's saying, do you believe that I am the resurrection and life? Do you believe, do you put your faith and trust in me? Louis Giglio said, Jesus' ultimate comeback trumps all our comebacks. It also makes it possible in a general sense for us to come back from anything, anywhere, at any time. Paul Tripp summarized it well. He said, if Jesus defeated death in the empty tomb, and he did, because the Word of God tells us that he did, this, uh, uh, history tells us that he did, then there's no dark thing in your heart that he's not able to defeat. Because you see, at one point, Jesus appeared to his disciples. And Thomas said, is it really you? And he reached out and he touched the nail prints in his hands. Folks, even they doubted. But yet they had their faith was made sight. At one point, he appeared to over 500 people at one time. And people saw the risen Savior. Because Christ came back, he can turn your setback into a comeback. Folks, you've not gone too far or done too much 
to be disqualified from a comeback. In fact, Jesus died as your substitute. And as you stand before God the Father, He's the one that took the wrath of God for your sin on His body on the cross. Jackson was preaching about that last Sunday and, and the death on the cross. He is the resurrection that brings life so that when you die, yet shall you live. But you must boldly believe and receive Him as your Lord and Savior right here and right now. Folks, you can demonstrate your faith right now by praying and placing your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. Can I invite everyone to bow their heads or close their eyes for just a moment? We've talked about how Jesus brought forth Lazarus victoriously from the grave. What a powerful presentation of the gospel. But folks, that was only possible because Jesus rose from the grave. And he offers us a right relationship with God the Father. I wonder this morning, do you personally know Jesus is your Lord and Savior? Do you believe that he is the Son of God? Have you ever told him that? Have you ever told him that you are a sinner and confessed your sin and repented of your sin? If not, I'm going to invite you right now in just a moment, right where you're seated, you can cry out and place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone for salvation. If you've never done that, he can turn your setbacks into a comeback and offer you that right relationship with God the Father this morning. Would you pray with me right now? If you'd love to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you pray with me right now, right where you're seated? Pray, dear Lord, Lord, I know that I'm a sinner. I, I know that my sin is separating me from you and my relationship with you. My, my biggest setback is, is my, of my own doing. It's my sin. But Lord, I know I can't save myself. So Lord, the best way I know how I repent of my sin and I place my faith and trust in you for salvation. I want to follow you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were buried and three days later you rose again from the grave and asked you to forgive me of my sin to come in my life and be my Lord and my Savior. This morning, if you prayed to place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, your greatest setback can now be your, the great comeback because Jesus forgave you of your sin. The Word of God says if we'll confess our sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The decision you just made when you prayed to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior is the greatest decision of your life. You're here this morning, I, don't, I'm, I would never embarrass you in any way, but maybe you're here and you say, Pastor David, a few moments ago, right as you were praying, I prayed and I confessed my sin, my setbacks to God, and I ask Him to forgive me and to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. This morning is the moment that I believe that Jesus died and rose again for me. I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to encourage you. 
if you prayed this morning to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, no one else is looking around. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. But this morning, if you prayed to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you let me know so I can pray for you and encourage you by just looking up and letting your eyes meet mine? No one else is looking around. Thank you. Somebody else said, Pastor David, a moment ago as you were praying, I prayed to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Thank you. Somebody else. Just keep them open until I see you. Thank you. Somebody else. Pastor David, I prayed and received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Somebody else? Pastor David, just a moment ago, I prayed to receive Christ as my Savior. Thank you. Somebody else? Thank you. Somebody else? Thank you. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray each and every single person this morning that acknowledge their sin and their setbacks before God. It's a moment of decision where they chose to believe in you. Lord, this morning, the word of God tells us that the angels in heaven are rejoicing over one sinner that repents and comes to faith in Christ. Lord, this morning, the, the heavens are rejoicing. The choir is singing right now, I believe, and rejoicing over a host of people who came to faith in Christ. Lord, all those online that we couldn't even see Except the Christ is your Savior, Lord, we praise you for what you've done in their life. God, would you encourage them in their new relationship with you? God, would you encourage them to, to get plugged into a, a local church where they can grow in their faith and, and be encouraged and discipled and, and begin to have that comeback as, as you begin to direct their path in the days ahead? Lord, I pray that you would help them to get into your word and read it for themselves and realize that it speaks truth into our lives and gives us wisdom and direction for the days ahead. God will be careful to praise you for what you're going to accomplish. Listen to our feet.